hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Let's take a look, and I'm in Genesis chapter 6. Please turn there with me in your Bibles or your electronic advice, device, however you engage the Scriptures. Turn there, and let's glean some things from Noah's life. And as, as we think about Noah, there's three things that we're just doing like a 30,000-foot overview of his life. And uh, in Genesis 6, there's a couple things about his life that I want us to, to just take a brief look at. And, and one thing that we see in Genesis 6, 8 through 9, is that uh, Noah was a favored man. If you read in beginning chapter 6, you see that that's when things begin to fall apart in the world and, and God begins to uh, see the iniquity of of humanity and, and, and eventually says, I, I'm, I want to start over. Uh, humanity is, is wicked, there's iniquity. And so, so, but what we see in the same chapter is that in verses 8 and 9, there, there's, a, there's a glimmer of hope with a man named Noah. In verse 8, the scripture says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Reading on into verse 9, the Bible says that these are the generations of Noah. He was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. And Noah walked with God. Wow, what a spiritual resume. What, what a resume that here's Noah, these descriptive words of who he is spiritually, right? He, he, he's found favor with the Lord. The word can also mean grace. And he's not only that, he's righteous, he bla he's blameless. And then the icing on the cake is that he, he walks with God. I mean, that's the icing on the cake. Now, in the scriptures, there are very few people who, have, who are said to walk with God. I mean, Noah is not in a class by himself, but it doesn't take long to call roll. He's in a very unique air, right? We know that Enoch was a man that walked with God. And so that, that language, that verbiage, that it's very unique. And I think it's used, used uh, with a lot of intention about those who walk with God. And so here we get Noah's resume. He's a favored Man, he's a favored man. Second of all, we see from Noah, just reading down a little bit further in verses 9 through 22, is that Noah was a faithful man. He's super faithful. So, for example, in chapter 6, verse 14, God tells Noah, I want you to build an ark out of gopher wood, right? So that's the command. This is what God says I want you to do. But if you go down to verse 22 of chapter 6, we read these words, Noah did this. Say that with me. Noah did this. He just stepped into it. And then the verse goes on and says this, that he did all that God commanded him to do. Man, he, he was a faithful man. Noah was a faithful man. Do you see that? God's like, build an ark. He does it. But beyond the ark, there were other things apparently that Noah did under the command of God. And you realize that Noah spent some 55 to 75 years building this ark? I mean, Come on, I'm trying to retire in 20. That ship has sailed. 50 to 75 years of working on the ark, of doing what God tells him to do. And then we see that Noah did it. He did that all of God commanded him. Can you imagine the faith of Noah? God tells him to build an ark. And by the way, has anybody been to the ark thing in Kentucky? Yeah, some of you guys have been. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's a life-size display. Is that correct? Life is massive, right? Yeah. 
50 to 55 to 75 years, Noah is working on the ark. Do you think the HOA sent any letters? They're like, brother, we're not sure what you got going over there. But I, I don't, neighbors are going berserk. Like Noah's gone off the deep end, build the ark. He's like, okay, I, I, I'll build an ark. Isn't it interesting that faithful, godly men will look foolish in the culture? But be faithful anyway. DC Talk had a song entitled Jesus Freaks. Now, I don't know if you remember that back in the day. That's when music was music, right? Jesus Freaks. Men and women who faithfully follow God will be perceived as Jesus Freaks. Walking foolish, living foolish lives. And I'd see that in, the, in, in Noah's world, right? He's living a foolish lives, so to speak. The neighbors are going crazy. What is he doing? He's doing what God has told him to do. What an idea. As we get to chapter 9 in Genesis, we begin to see something out of Noah's life. I'm just calling it Noah was a flawed man. He was a flawed man. Genesis chapter 9, beginning in verse 20 through 25, we get this vivid description of Noah. Please read it with me. Noah began to be a man of the soil. He planted a vineyard. He drank of the, the wine and he became drunk and he laid uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, he saw the nakedness of his father and he told his two other brothers who were outside. Look at verse 23. Then Sham and Japheth, they took a garment, they laid it on both of their shoulders and they walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, here's what he said. Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brothers. It's interesting to talk about Noah as a favored man of God, right? It's great to talk about he's a faithful man. But the Scripture is very clear. It's very transparent about Noah as a flawed man. He's drunk. He's in a tent. And he's naked. Focus on the family is not calling for a conference speaker. This is a difficult moment in Noah's life. This is a challenging moment in his family. And you've probably had those in your family. You've probably had some level of challenge or, or, or dysfunction, if you will, in your family. And this is what we see in Noah's family. So Ham walks in, sees his father naked. He leaves. He goes out, and he tells his other brothers, here's what dad's got going on in the tent. Now, some scholars believe that Ham should have taken the initiative and covered his father some believe as he left the tent and had the conversation with Sham and Japheth that he's actually doing it in a disrespectful, dishonoring manner. And by the way, today in the Middle East, there is an honor-shame culture still alive. We don't understand that in the West as much as they do in the East and the Middle East. Honor and shame are two very important words, not just in this culture where Noah finds himself, but currently today in, the, in cultures in the Middle East. If you go there, you need to understand honor and shame. It will help you see how things are operating in the culture. So the idea is that Ham has disrespect, but he's dishonored his father, 
And some believe he goes and he tells his other brothers in a flippant, kind of make fun, disrespectful type of manner. And immediately, Sham and Japheth said, no, 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 we're going to cover our father. You're not even listening to this. We're going to cover our father. They walk in backwards. Some believe it was the original moonwalk with a garment. They don't want to see the nakedness. They walk in and they lay a garment over their father, the thing that Ham should have done in the first place. And Oh, and by the way, as a result, Ham's son, Canaan, a curse came upon him and the entire people of Canaan. I, I just would invite you today to understand that Noah's probably not the first father, nor will he be the last father to have a regrettable family moment. Amen? You've probably, as a father, grandfather, spiritual father, overseer, you've probably had at some point in your life a regrettable moment in your family, something you said, something you did, something that happened. And, and we all deal with these regrettable family moments, and we must ask ourselves in regard to Noah, what in the world happened? I mean, come on, just a, a chapter or two before, we see Noah, one of the most incredible acts of faith in biblical history. Wouldn't you agree? If you're not sure, go dial and try to build an ark, and there's no rain. Yeah, what an amazing act of faith. And then here we find him in chapter 9. He's drunk, he's naked, his son sees him, and we got a whole mess going on. Could it be? that the pressure of life, that, that, that the pressure of actually stepping into what God had, had called him to do, could it be that the pressure got to him? Possibly. Some believe that's actually what's going on here, that all of that pressure and, and, and all of the turmoil and everything that had happened, the guilt that he might have experienced from building this ark and seeing humanity disintegrate, some believe it's that pressure, it's that guilt that brought him to this moment. And I will remind you that parenting and, and, and can be overwhelming. We see it here with his boys, responsibilities, pressure, financial, perceptions, then the list goes on. As parents and grandparents and spiritual overseers, it can just get overwhelming, agreed? And it's not getting any easier, folks. And you guess what? Breaking news, it's not going to get any easier. It's not going to get any easier. In fact, it's a challenging time to parent and grandparent, to love, to serve your children well. Breaking news, important biblical truth that you need to know, all parents like Noah need God's grace. He was a man under faith. He was a man who understood God's grace. So if you're a parent, a grandparent, and you've blown it once or a thousand times, embrace God's grace for your life. Embrace God's grace. Maybe don't dismiss it. Maybe you need to do something about it. Maybe there's a conversation that needs to be had. But do not dismiss God's grace. There are no perfect parents or grandparents. It's not out there. And we see it in the life of the most faithful men in the Scriptures, what's going on in the conversation. This past Thursday, I, I woke up, and every now and then, I'll grab my phone, and I'll go out back, have a cup of coffee, and read uh, Oswald Chambers, utmost for my highest. It's old school. And I do it from time to time. I'm not saying I'm George Mueller up here. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, yeah, I'll grab and go, boy, this Thursday I was reading and, and looking through, and I ran across uh, Thursday's reading, and I, I just found this section that I wanted to encourage you with today. It says, we are not meant to be seen as God's perfect, bright, shining examples. But we're to be seen as the everyday essence of ordinary life, exhibiting the miracle of grace. 
Wow. Think about that in your home, your household, people you interact with. He argues you're not God's perfect, bright, shining example. And we all probably could have said, yeah, amen to that. But what if we see ourselves, notice what he says, as the essence of ordinary life exhibiting the miracle of his grace. Folks, Noah not only received grace from God, but he received grace from two of his sons. They covered him. Don't miss that. They covered him. I will say this. If you still have a parent or parents living, maybe we need to extend more grace. Maybe. Maybe our children now are the ones who need to be extending that grace to us. We all need God's grace, certainly, but some of us maybe in the room today, like, I, I need to experience, I need my children to cover some things that, that I have been about or am about or something I've said. That, that's a vulnerable place as a parent and a grandparent isn't to say, I need my children to cover me with their grace. And man, that's not easy to receive sometimes. And then some of us just need to give grace to ourselves. Just give grace to ourselves. Folks, you know what's one of my challenges in life is to stand up here and do this and talk about the Word of God. It's a challenge. And some days it brings uh, joy. Uh, most days it brings a lot of, uh, I don't know, grief and brings a lot of things. And but here, here's what I want you to hear is that it is challenging to do this as a minister to talk about what life should be according to the Scripture and then go home and live in front of your kids. That's no fun at all. It is no fun at all. And, and our children have been so gracious in that. Say, so, Dad, I know what you said, but I know how you live. And by the way, among ministers' kids, this is one of the main reasons they walk away from their faith is that what mom and dad have said and what they believe and what they claim publicly, they just can't get it right at home. And a lot of them are like, yeah, no thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm missing out. And, and maybe you sense some of that in your own life, right? As a parent, you're trying to teach your kids to do what's right of the grandkids, and, and you know your own heart sometimes. That's where we need to receive God's grace in all of this. Hey, let's close. Wah, wah, wah. Let's close on a higher note. How about that? So, no, he was favored, he was faithful, he was flawed, right? But what you got to understand is that Noah's flaws and failures did not have the last word. Rather, it was his faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, Noah makes the faith hall of fame. Amen? He made it. He made it. Look at what the Scripture says in Hebrews eleven seven. 7. It says, by faith, Noah. Say that with me. By faith, Noah. Okay, let's dial in. He's being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear. I love that language. I'm reading out of the ESV. In reverent fear. Say that with me. Reverent fear. I love that language. In reverent fear, notice what he does. He constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. In reverent fear. Fear. Noah builds an ark in reverent fear. He constructed an ark. Reverent fear. That's how you construct an ark. 
out of an obedient heart and reverent fear. We too, as God's people, need to be constructing arcs. We need to be ark builders. The men and women of God who claim to follow this living God in reverent fear, we need to be constructing arcs for the saving of our households. And I want to challenge you, men, like Noah, we are ark builders. We are to be creating spaces of refuge for our children, our grandchildren, those under our spiritual influence, creating these places of refuge from the ills and the pitfalls of this world. We are called to be ark builders, to build spaces of refuge, to, to build spaces where, where our children are loved, where they know that God is for them, spaces of grace and spaces of guidance. Spaces where our children and those in our spheres of influence can discover God's redemptive intention for their lives in Christ. Safe spaces of refuge. It's our responsibility, men, to build these spaces of refuges for our family. To build spaces where open and respectful dialogue about significant questions of faith and life can be had. We must stop dismissing the difficult questions of the emerging generation and say, yeah, no, oh, that's now, nah, never mind. We've got, to, we've got to have a space, we've got to have a, a, a conversation. And it's our responsibility to build an ark for that where where this emerging generation can interact with the Scriptures knowing that it is God's authoritative Word and we believe it. We've got to build spaces where our children and grandchildren and those under our spiritual care see examples of men and women who walk with God in humility, not pride. They have to see it. We're ark builders. We're ark builders. In reverent fear, he builds an ark, and he saves who? His household. He creates a refuge. Not seclusion. He creates a refuge for his house. Folks, I'm just going to remind you that the destructive floodwaters of a wayward culture are rising fast. There is a flood. We're asleep. We're not paying attention. We believe it's all going to be okay. The next generation is going to get it covered. It's our responsibility amidst the rising wayward floodwaters of a culture to step out and build an ark, a place of refuge for spiritual formation, spiritual connection, open dialogue, no longer dismissing the difficult questions of the coming generation, but engaging them prayerfully, led by the Spirit, according to God's Word. Oh, we're ark builders. You ready? Are you ready to build an ark? You better. There's a flood coming. By the way, it's already begun to seep in. Friday, we were up here uh, preparing some things for the men's breakfast we had yesterday. And uh, we were out there in the foyer just doing, moving chairs and, you know, doing things. And, and, and one, one of the little guys was up here. He was helping do some things in another part of the building. And uh, 
he came running in there, and he and I got a pretty good relationship. He's probably third grade. He's got a brother, I think, about the same age. The dynamic duo, man, I'm telling you. These guys are the dynamic duo. We always have a shoe conversation. He's like, hey, let me see your shoes, Pastor. Today, no kidding, before I came to church, I cleaned my shoes because I knew, I knew he was going to be asking. I wiped them down. I got the stuff out. I wiped them down. But he's pretty upset with me because when you get new, nice shoes, and I didn't buy these. My son bought these. He says, you got to be careful you don't crease the shoe. You guys, are you aware of this? You people know anything? You don't crease the shoe. So when you do that, you crease the shoe, right? Look at your shoe. You got a crease? I got a crease on my shoe. He's all upset with me. He's like, you're creasing your shoe? I'm like, I didn't mean to, man. What am I to do? He's like, you got to walk like a duck, bro. I'm like, nah, I ain't doing that. I am not doing that. This, this is our conversation. I hit him up again today. I'm like, where are your shoes? I go, dude, I got them home in the shoe closet. I'm like, you have a shoe closet? He's like, yeah, man. I'm like, all right. Friday, he's like, hey, what are you guys up here doing? I'm like, oh, man, we're getting ready for the Father's Day breakfast. You know what he said? He said, I don't have a father. I don't have a father. In this building, this is a 10,000-square-foot building. There are children under our spiritual care that don't have an earthly biological father influencing them at home. Can you imagine that? In this building, you can take 50 steps and you'll, you'll, you'll see him back there. Well, that broke my heart. Broke. I wasn't ready for that. He's like, can I come to breakfast? I don't have a father. I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't know what to say. Here's what I want that young man to know. I pray in 10 years from now, he will look back and say, those folks up there at Discovery Point, they built an ark. They built an ark. They built a place of refuge for me and my brother. There were men in there. You know what I want to say to him? Guess what, pal? You got 150 spiritual fathers here. You got 150 spiritual fathers. We can't be your biological dad, but, you know, we can mentor and love and you and care for you and show you what a, a man of God, the best of our ability and the humility and the grace of God, what a godly father looks like. He's got 150 fathers. Am I correct? Absolutely. Man, I pray the dude looks back in 10 years. They're a little weird, but they know how to build an ark. Folks, our homes and our churches... Those are kind of the primary spaces for art building. You can do it also in your business. You can do it in your vehicle. You can do it wherever you are, your classroom. You're just building an art. What am I talking about? I'm talking about a space, a safe refuge for significant spiritual conversation and formation. A place of refuge. We can't salute them. We can't put them all in a big bubble. We'd like to, wouldn't we? You're going in a bubble, son. We'll see you in 30 years. We'd love to do that. We know this world. We've had our own challenges. Can't do it. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a place of rest, refuge, where they can come and, and just understand and, and, and get into that ark, if you will. Hey, we're, we're, we're going to be reconfiguring this room beginning July 9th, and that'll take about a month or so after that. In fact, we've already spoken uh, to some people to help us, and we're going to go over to that student building. We're going to build an ark over there. We're going to build an ark. I just, as I close, I just challenge the men and the dads, the granddads, the dads to be, those of you under spiritual influence, we're going to build arcs. To do so, we've got to walk with God as Noah walked. 
We've got to understand His grace. We've got to understand that faithfulness in our lives. And, oh, there, there are days coming where there's flaw, where there's sinfulness, where there's setbacks. And when those days come, we cannot hesitate to step in and ask for forgiveness from the Father and from those around us. And let the covering and the blood of Jesus cover all of those things in our lives and understanding under His grace, under His love, those things are, in fact, they're already covered. He covered all those with a sacrificial death on Calvary's cross. Pastor, I'm ready to build an ark. Me too. Where do I start? You start at home. You start at home. My kids are out. They're grown. They're gone. They're on their own. They're doing their own thing. Cool. Stay engaged. Don't back up. You got grandkids. You got great-grandkids. I'm not quite there yet. Some of you are. I don't even know what that's about. The great-grandkid thing, right? That's a whole nother level, brother, a whole nother level. But as long as they're still under your care, as long as you're still a mother or a father, your spiritual influence, build an ark. I end it with a quote. I'm not sure who said this, but I love the quote. It says, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Ugh, I wish they had said something else. Go home and love your family. Let it start in your own home. That's where the ark building begins. Amen? I want all the men to stand. I'm going to pray for you this morning, and then we're going to close. Pastor Rod's going to come and close us out. Men, I just want to challenge you today. What does it look like for you to begin constructing an ark? You know, for some of us, maybe our children have tried to engage us in a conversation, or, and maybe we've dismissed. Maybe we're, we're frustrated. Maybe we've had the conversation. They're not listening. How do I build an ark, Pastor? Get on your knees and just pray for them. Begin praying. Ask the Spirit of God to touch them, to work in your life. Ask the Spirit of God, hey, can you send somebody else into their life who they will maybe listen to, a man of God, a woman of God? Sure. Maybe some of us as fathers, we... You know, to some degree, we, we kind of know it at one time or two. You know, we found ourselves drunk and naked in a tent, hypothetically speaking, and we blew, we blew it, man. Our kids saw it. They were part of it. We said something. We did something, and we've regretted it ever since. Will you receive God's grace? And it could be maybe, maybe in, a, in a spiritual act of courage, you go and say, will you, will you forgive me for that? Will you forgive me? That I, I, I was wrong. Will you forgive me for that? That's what I mean by building art. We're going to build some arcs, right? We're going to do the hard work. It's hard, man. It's hard. But whatever God lays on your heart, I challenge you to go get busy. Go get busy. Let me pray for you. Father, we pray for the, the men standing. And, and, Lord, first of all, we thank you for the moms and grandmothers and the mothers-to-be in the room. We, we thank you for their life, their influence, their, their faith that often... We as men and dads and granddads and husbands, we often draw strength from those incredible women you've put in our lives. And Lord, just for a moment, I just want to pray for the men standing. Lord, we, maybe we didn't have a great father figure. Maybe we're not even sure who our biological father is. Maybe there was no fatherly influence in our lives. But Father, you are our heavenly father. We are favored men. Sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes we, we don't sense it, but we are favored men. We are priests. We are kings. May we understand that banner over us. 
I pray for every man standing that you will give us the spiritual courage, the discernment, the knowledge, the faith to be building arcs of refuge for those under our spiritual influence, our spiritual care. And Lord, I pray that you give us the strength, the wisdom, the discernment, and know what to do to build these spaces where children, grandchildren, those under our spiritual care know there is a refuge where they can find rest, salvation, love, grace, and care, and truth. Lord, I pray a blessing over our men. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Gentlemen, you may be seated. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.